The Rice Ricky Sanchez podcast is brought to you by Big Barker Therapeutic Dog Beds. Get yours at bigbarker.com slash Ricky. L.L. Pavorsky Jewelers, where Rice Ricky Sanchez listeners go and get engaged. The Colony Meadery, the official gluten-free booze made from honey of the process that you can drink while quarantined and kinetic skateboarding. Get 9.1% off your first order with promo code Dave Silver. On the show today, G-Love on the Ricky. Um, pretty cool. Uh, G-Love will join us in the second half of the pod to talk about uh, the charity event or online event he's, he's involved in next weekend, the uh, Love from Philly Festival. Um, Alan Iverson, talk about the Sixers, talk about what it's like to be a musician who can't work at all. Um, so that'll, that is the second half of the pod. Very excited to have G on, on the pod, a, a Philly music legend and also a huge basketball fan. Um, we'll check in with AU on the current state of our alternative timeline Sixers who are in a playoff battle with the Miami Heat. We will do the review of our Carl Landry Record Club album. And what Google Chrome extension does Sam Hinkie suggest as a productivity tool? And finally, why did Mike spend last night with my father? Um, before we get going, the uh, masks, it looks like we hope to start printing the masks, the Ricky masks, uh, this week. Uh, so you can stop the spread while confusing everyone that you see. If you go to the t-shirt store uh, section of our website, you can get a Ricky mask. It's black with the logo, um, $12.99 for the Ricky mask. Uh, Two-ply cotton, ring-spun cotton, and totally washable, which you should be doing. Um, and we also, before we get going, wanted to make mention of uh, somebody that in our community that we lost this week, um, Will Harris. Will was 17 and at CHOP, he was 17 years old, and a doctor at CHOP, who is a Ricky listener named Mike, um, sent us a note several months ago uh, to let us know about Will and also see if we could help out in somehow getting the Sixers to send Will um, some love. And like I, we're sort of picky and choosy about what we send to the Sixers because I, there are a lot of requests, but every time, what I'd like to say, we, we rip the owners a lot and the front office a lot, but I've said that every time we reach out to the PR department uh, and the communications department, they always take care of everything. So um, we sent it to them and they sent over uh, a video to Will with a bunch of the Sixers, um, you know, wishing him well, a bunch of gear and they did the right thing. And then Will this week uh, lost his battle with leukemia at 17 years old and just wanted to... Um, you know, uh, show the love and to his family and to his friends. And um, obviously, Will's spirit will be with us forever. And it sucks to lose somebody um, that is part of this right now. And the uh, one thing I promised Mike uh, from CHOP is he mentioned that something that's happening now due to COVID is that there are a lot of people who have a health issue um, that would either be a primary care issue or an ER issue that people are not doing anything about because of the COVID thing, whether they think they shouldn't go to the hospital or they're worried about getting COVID and like and their lives being lost because of it. Um, so if you have a health issue that appears serious at all, COVID-related or not, um, please, uh, please call your doctor. Or if it seems ER-worthy, go to ER. They're missing things in children, like cancer signs. Um, because people are putting off going to the doctor and going to the ER. So uh, most doctor's offices have a way to do, you know, tele-appointments and ERs are open and ready to do it. So I promised Mike I would say that. So uh, again, rest in peace, Will. Uh, without any further ado, Amos and the Chef.
say the name, say the name, we will write y'all, we will write, even when it went wrong, we will write, we will write y'all, we will write, so say the name, say the name, say the name. Welcome to the Race to Ricky Sanchez podcast. I'm Spike Eskin, along with a guy who is the newest member of the Philadelphia Eagles quarterback factory. That is Mike Levin. Hey, man. What's up? How you doing, man? Ah, days are just running together. Yeah. We're just still, we're still here. Mm -hmm. Finding a way to do it. Uh, I feel like we should lead off with what happened last night. Yeah, I had it on the rundown. I didn't know what to do. So do you want to explain this? Uh, Sure. So... Um, last night was the, uh, surprise, uh, Zoom bachelor party for our friend, uh, Michael Weber, who is a screenwriter and the Spike Lee of the Rice Ricky Sanchez podcast. Um, Oscar loser, Mike Weber, mm-hmm. for, nominated Did for lose the lose an Oscar. Yeah. Um, and so there were 25 or so, uh, folks on the, on the Zoom, including our friend Ange Goldstein, um... And uh, and prior to doing it, a couple of Weber's friends reached out and were trying to find a couple uh, surprise guests for <laughs> yep. to pop on and 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 like you know be entertainment. Um, I thought about getting naked and stripping as a bit, but ultimately decided <laughs> I didn't know enough people on the Zoom call to do it, so I didn't. Um, that would have been awesome. Yeah, that would have been pretty bizarre. Um, but uh, we got a couple people. I don't know if I'm allowed to say the people that came on. I'm going to say it. I don't care. Uh, the first two people were uh, Jimmy Rollins, which was dope, um, yep. and uh, and Robert De Niro, who is uh, Weber was used to be his assistant. Yeah, um, I remember him telling me that. And uh, his friend Kaplan is still uh, Bob's assistant also. Um, and so that was also entertaining in its own uh, very strange way. And uh, and the third guest, uh, or organized by you, was, was Howard Eskin. <laughs> so when you, when you reached out to me, and actually Kaplan had reached out to me about ideas, like while I was texting you, it hit, it hit me. I was just like, how fucking funny in the middle of a Zoom bachelor party uh, for a Philadelphia sports fan would Howard Eskin just fucking showing up be. Yeah. And it's fucking hilarious. It would obviously be, be hilarious. Yeah, there had, there had been an argument with uh, Ange, and there were, there were two sides of the debate. Some people thought he should be there. Ange, Ange definitely wanted him there. And a couple people yeah. were like, didn't think it would be a good idea. And then Howard came on and was on there for the longest out of, <laughs> out of anybody. Uh, <laughs> yeah. De Niro was there for like two and a half minutes. <laughs> Um, Howard was there for like 25. Um, and, uh, and after, after that, uh, the side that did not want him on said, we were wrong. (laughs) It was the right right call. So when I sent, so I, just some funny background here. I always say that for when the Eagles are playing, uh, when the Eagles are playing a different team, the other city, um, who wants to book somebody from the radio station always decides to book Howard first. Because if if you need somebody to come on and talk shit and rile your audience up for 15 minutes, 
there's literally nobody better yeah. in the world at being Howard Eskin than Howard Eskin. So I sent, uh, I sent him the link and all that stuff, and I gave him some background on you and Kaplan and, of course, Weber. And I was like, just so you know, Weber's a big, hinky guy. I was like, go in there and fucking tell him to go fuck himself, yeah. and then you can leave whenever you want. Yeah, it was, so it was a lot of, were, he came in really hot. Uh, yeah. And, you know, and half of the people there were probably like Knicks fans or not Sixers fans. So it was really a targeted approach of, of who yeah. he was talking to. Um, but really went went hard at uh, at Hinky at the process, at Simmons, at Embiid, uh, Tobias. Weber tried to rile him up about Covington. And so I was just sitting there kind of like shaking my head and Weber, Weber was texting me just being like your face right now. Uh, because I was like, I'm not going to do it. I, I didn't I didn't know how much you had told him if I, if like I would be there or if really he knows who I am. Um, and because uh, aside from the time at the, I think it was at the Simmons lottery party when he mm-hmm. handed me a couple of Kool-Aid packets. Um, <laughs> that was, that's, only, that's been our only actual interaction uh, forever. And, well, and I... I saw a screenshot on Weber's um, on Weber's uh, Instagram stories, and it looked like there were a l- like a lot of people on at once. Yeah, it was like, like twenty five or something. Yeah, that's a lot of people. A lot. I don't even know how people do that in Zoom, but um, uh, but so I so I was like, I'm not gonna. Uh, what am I gonna say? It's fine. I'm just shaking my head and whatever. Um, mostly calling out. It was really it was hinky targeted, and then it was Embiid and Simmons. I would say uh, bear the brunt of of his ire. And uh, and then and then he's like, and then he asked if I was there. Where's he's like, oh, well? First of all, he called the the podcast uh, "Reds to Ricky Lopez," which there is you like, go. And, he, and the first time he said it pretty confidently, and then he got less <laughs> confident, and as it went on, um, but I was like, no, no, it's Lopez. Um, and uh, and so then he t- took it to me for a little bit, but so I was weird. I was like, I'm, I'm not gonna fight back. Do I want to? He's banned, but this isn't the podcast. Right. So, but it's Weber's bachelor party. Does he want to see it? So I gave, I like pushed back a little bit and asked a couple of things, but I, you know, I, I just can't, I can't do it. I'm not in the business of, of going head to head with Howard Eskin. There's no, there's no, there's no, it doesn't end well for me because well, he's not going to recognize. Although I did pin him down and said, if, if, if the Embiid uh, and Simmons Sixers win a championship, will you say you were wrong? And he said, yes. So, um, yeah, I mean, what you learn about arguing with him is that, he has no intention of ever being wrong. You're never going to win. Right. Like you, you can make all the right points, and you're still going to be mad. Yeah. Because he, he's he's never going to acknowledge. And Weber it. made and that, those points, and it was still. It, it doesn't was, matter. Yeah. It doesn't, yeah. And he'll, he's, he'll latch onto one detail that he doesn't agree with, yeah. and then it'll be like we're on a different tangent. And and, and what will happen is is you just get progressively madder. That's right. As he fucking thinks it's hilarious. That's right. As he's right, so you're you're um, you're just you're gonna lose. Is is uh, basically what's gonna happen. But I will, I, I will think back to one moment, and this was, it has to be one of Angelo's favorite moments ever. Is when I, you know, in the first maybe year and a half that I was working for WIP, uh, it was the first two years. My job was to be in charge of the website and run social media. And I would do like one show a week. And that's when we, that's when we met actually. And, uh, they had my father on the morning show once and it was at the end, it was after Andy Reid had been gone and they had him on there and he would not say 
that Reed had done a bad job at the end. He just wouldn't say it. And I went into the producer and I was like, why won't he fucking say it? And Joe, Joe goes, get in there. So I just go in and I just, just shot after shot at my dad at the Eagles thing. Like, what is wrong with you? Just grow up and say he did a bad job. It's not going to kill you. And he goes, Andy Reid did a bad job. And like, I've never seen Angelo happier than when I got my father to admit he was wrong. Wow. And I, it, it's the only time I ever remember in a sports thing. And I'm sure he'd deny it and would not, would not ever say it. So that's, that makes me think that the ban would be temporarily lifted when the Sixers win a championship. We'll have, mm-hmm. your, we'll have your dad on the podcast to admit that he was wrong. That he was wrong. Right. That, that'll, be, that'll be the temporary ban left where we can finally have Howard on. So before we get to uh, AU, I wanted to start this off with a, uh, an email from Dan. We're taking your emails, writesrickysanchez at gmail.com. And I want to say, um, and first, we, we have, I haven't even added them to our, our list yet, but we got a bunch more Carl Landry Record Cup Club suggestions. The, the e- we've been getting a ton of emails. We literally couldn't do enough podcasts to get to all the emails. But so many of them have started off with, Hey, uh, thanks for doing this during this time. We, you know, really appreciate it. it's helping getting us through. Like you, the listener, you're listening are getting us through too. So I appreciate you know understanding our lack of actual content and being able to help us with that and give the ideas is great. And I'm really just happy that so many people have uh, gone through this with us and, and stuck around, and it's been fun to do. Um, so this comes from Dan. Uh, Sam Hinkie recommends as a productivity tool a Chrome extension, which every time you open a new tab shows your age as a ticking counter to nine decimal places. This sounds horrific and would not help me at all. I'm 33.8364656675 at the time of this writing. Would this work for you or what do you do to help you focus? What a a fucking lunatic that we... (laughs) thrown our lot into that this idea of every time you open a new tab to search something like is fucking uh lloyd cephas jones ron cephas jones still alive yes great oh no we're about to die that's you want to look up like what was what did you know pat burrell look like when he was in a teen a teenager well, we're about to die. Like every single time. <laughs> what an absolute monster. I can't believe that. Oh, man. Just go back to being a GM of a team, Sam. For the love of God. You're, I, I, you work in however you want to work. And whatever needs to get you there, that's beautiful. But don't be giving life advice in this way to people yeah. during a Ooh. pandemic. So, so I... <laughs> I assume the idea is what happened every what if, what if every time you peed someone punched you in the face <laughs> just to remind you that like you know pain is real what the fuck yeah. well here's here's the problem with it right so I guess the idea behind it is hey like the clock is ticking don't waste any time right but really what it's gonna do what it would do for me is think like why am I doing anything then like if like, I, I mean, what should I, if, if, if I'm constantly being reminded about my mortality, which by the way, most of what we do every day is to forget about that. Because if you really wrap your arms around your, your, like, your fate 
and your definite mortality and how short your life is, it's going to fuck everything up. Yeah, I got to say, I don't, I don't, when I'm stuck home during a pandemic as tens of thousands of Americans are dying, the thing I don't need is to realize that life is short and that (laughs) it's ending soon. That's not, that's not a helpful thing. I would take maybe, you know, a nice juice. If you want to send me juice, that sounds fun. Maybe like a couple of paper, like whatever. Every time you open a new Chrome window, you get a nice, fun little song plays. And that distracts you for a moment. This is Honestly, the opposite effect. If Sam, we are more helpful in, in, in this than yeah. you are. Every right? time you open a new tab, this podcast plays. <laughs> what, what do you do? So you're, you are working at home on your new show, uh, The Young Rock. Uh, how, how do you focus, especially now? Do you have do you have a do you have a room you go to or how do you Yeah, do we it? have a we have a room on it's not Zoom, it's another it's another app, but we yeah, we have a room that we go into most days and if some days people are just writing, so we we're just writing separately. Um Well I, I meant physic I meant like in your home. Do you have to because if if I'm gonna work at home, I actually have to sit at a desk. I can't sit on my couch or yeah. I I don't focus. Do you, are, is it the same way for you? Yeah, I'm in uh I'm currently sitting at the same desk that I work at this is my podcast okay. desk unless Alyssa is sleeping and then I have to go into the uh, middle of the highway to, <laughs> to record the podcast <laughs> uh, or uh, yeah sometimes I'll mix it up but I, I like I think I'm I'm finding that having one place it's like okay this is the workplace and then when it's over I try mm-hmm. not to sit there at all is kind of a nice thing the Right Ricky Sanchez podcast is brought to you by Big Barker Therapeutic Dog Beds. Dogs getting adopted and fostered all over the place. Uh, Mike, we have a special request from Shane, a listener to the pod. And he says, I have an older dog that weighs about 60 pounds and is starting to have mobility issues. Does Big Barker deliver to Canada? Yes, the answer is yes. If so, can you tell me and my wife that we are bad dog owners if we don't buy our dog a Big Barker? My wife doesn't listen to the pod, but I will make her listen to this part in order to convince her that we should buy one. I mean, I think this is an easy answer. Bad dog owners, if you're if you don't buy your dog a big bark or your dog's sixty pounds and having mobility issues, I think the easy answer there is yes. I think it's, it's. I think absolutely, and it's. Th- I think the price tag might, you know, it's it is not the cheap kind, you know. No, nope. But it is one that will hold up for a long time, so you will save money in the long run by not having to buy like multiple cheap ones and bullcrap. Well, and think of this, save money with that, like you don't have to buy another one. Save money because if your dog is healthier, there's fewer vet visits. And here's the most important part. And and you're right, it's not a cheap bed, but like as quality costs something, that's why this podcast is free. But if you want to get something quality, <laughs> quality it costs is the happiness of your dog, like your dog's heading into its, you know, if the dog's nine and a half heading into, you know, like the final section of that, like of the dog's life. Like, don't you want your dog to be happy yeah. <laughs> like, I, and healthy? That's, I don't know. I, I know I spend a lot of time and effort making sure my dog is happy and healthy and uh, they give so much love. They deserve to, you know, feel good. Imagine and, looking uh, your dog in the eye and say, yep. hey. I got the cheap one. <laughs> I know. 
<laughs> Could you do that? I Maybe couldn't that. do that. Yeah. I haven't done it. Um, Big Barker Therapeutic Dog Beds. Go to bigbarker.com slash Ricky, bigbarker.com slash Ricky. Um, the reason it's not super cheap is because it is made really, really well. Um, the only one out there really engineered by experts to keep your dog's joints uh, healthy and happy, whether it's an older dog that or a younger dog, or a big dog, or a small dog. They have sizes for every age, and if you go to, or every size, rather, and uh, every size dog. And if you go to bigbarker.com slash Ricky, not only do you get the bed, but you get the process pup patch, so your wife that doesn't listen to the podcast can tell you she doesn't want it on the bed if it's going to be in any of the common areas. Um, and then you can figure out what to do with the patch. Uh, as Mike said, it lasts, and they, they basically guarantee it. There's a 10-year warranty. The foam does not flatten, or they replace the thing for free. And there's a one-year at-home trial. If you don't like it, return it. They will even pay for the shipping. Uh, and handmade in the USA, and a local company. We love it. Big Barker Dog Beds. Back to the pod. One thing that happened, it's it's interesting. One thing that happened to me, when I, I, I grew up with a TV in my bedroom. I would fall asleep with it, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I got to college, and I didn't have a TV my freshman year, like the first two months of the semester. So I got used to not having one in the bedroom. And since then, I don't have it. And I find that I sleep better without the television there. Um, and I, I find that prioritizing, even when uh, when I still had an iPod, I, I wouldn't put music on my phone. So when I would listen to music, I could just focus that. I find that making things have a specific use, including rooms and things like that, helps me focus on whatever I'm doing. Um, all these multi-use things end up making it harder. Like, yeah. I can't work on my couch. You I, know? I, I, can't I hear that. I The thing I will say is I, it's easier for people, and this is a broader sense, obviously, if you're... Uh, more wealthy and your house is big, then you have you can have a room that mm-hmm. you know can just be your whatever. I I live in a one bedroom apartment, so my desk is in my bedroom. So it's just like this is it, I, I, at least this like small little space is like enough to be like this is work. Um, mm-hmm. But a lot of the people when you're like, hey, just have a part of your house that is and and uh, part of your you know property. Maybe go outside and and and. Uh, do it in the in, carriage in your house. garden, yeah, in, in your yeah. cottage, maybe. It's like, come on. And I, the thing I will say also uh, is the every time in the during the draft yesterday or over the course of the eighteen days of the NFL draft, which I inexplicably watched almost all of, um, they kept saying like, everyone will be like, we'll get through this together. Like we will, we're here, and we'll get through this together. And you're in like Cliff Kingsbury's house, and it's like we're not we're not through this together. You yeah. guys are somewhere else. You guys are very <laughs> clearly somewhere else. It's a nice yeah. sentiment, but like everyone being like, "Oh, how hard is it to be quarantined on your like massive property?" Right? Like, come on, <laughs> it's 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 very clearly different. I'd like to make it a point that I would not refer to myself as wealthy, but I do own a home and do have one of our bedrooms to be my office. So that's very uh, nice. But no carriage house. <laughs> uh, Andrew Underberger is here. He is brought to you by Kinetic Skateboarding. Uh, get 9.1% off your first order with promo code Dave Silver. On the, uh, I, I always mention the Kinetic Instagram. The all-black New Balance 213s from New Balance Numerics, pretty dope. Um, and actually, a Ben from, from Kinetic lets me know which, which of the shoes are vegan because I've now stopped wearing leather as well. Uh, New Balance ends up with some vegan ones too. So 9.1% off your first order with promo code Dave Silver. Hey, you. Hey, what's happening? What's up, buddy? How are you? I'm doing all right. Uh, it's been a, t- a tough weekend for Philadelphia sports, but you know, aside from that, things are all right. 
Can you special like sort of leap between timelines, almost like an interstellar style? Well, I, I don't really see what the point of dwelling in this particular timeline is. Like, there's not that much going on, so I'm, I'm mostly spending time in the other one. I, I guess when when there's like an ESPN, uh, you know, five thousand word Ben Simmons profile, I have to at least kind of keep one ear in the other dimension. But but generally, I'm I'm, I'm chilling in the in the JJ Reddick timeline. What was the NFL draft like in the in the JJ timeline? Uh, probably the same one, same way that it was in the other one, and that I didn't really pay attention to either. I, I probably just kind of followed both on Twitter, and uh, you know, uh, Eagles fans are mad. They probably would have been mad in, in any timeline. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, it that's was pretty consistent. I'll, I'll tell you, Eagles fans being mad, are, the, even the, the first round one, the build up to the uh, eventual Cowboys CD uh, Lamb pick, mm-hmm. seeing all the Eagles fans at once losing their shit felt so good. Uh, because yeah, it's, it's, it's it was kind of fun. Something that was yeah. Well, it was it was like home. It was like oh, here's a normal thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so it just felt good to see something that felt normal. And, and I have what I would consider to be the healthiest relationship one can have with the Philadelphia Eagles, which is that uh, we won a Super Bowl, and from now on, everything like like things that happen that are funny are just as good as things that happen that are good. So, like funny Eagles draft picks that make everybody mad are, are just in, as enjoyable to me as ones that like everybody celebrates as, as shrewd and and like helpful to the team. So, so it, quick quick thing on that. So I'm I feel the same way. Once the Eagles won the Super Bowl, like a part of me was just like at peace. And it felt like we're good. And I, I have an inability of getting really mad about things for a while. And that did last. And it still, it, I think it will last for, for maybe a decade or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Jalen Hurts pick was, it, I, the thing that bumps me is just like poor logic and decision making. Mm-hmm. And like I failing to thinking through, failing to think through a... A problem and, and like a, making a decision it feels like you just arrived at the wrong solution with like faulty logic or or whatever and this bumped me so much that you would take in the second round of a of a what everyone seems to say is a very good draft uh you would take a quarterback that i in a perfect world does not play um mm. as you as you drafted a quarterback last year and cut him before training camp or before the season started and gave carson wentz a fuckload of money. If you want a backup quarterback, there are plenty of those guys available that can sit there and be Brian Hoyer. The idea that... I, it's, this is nothing against Jalen Hurts, but it's just the idea that you would spend valuable draft capital at this high in the draft on a position that you cannot play two of, because I, it doesn't work that way. Uh, it just it felt very Okafor pick to me, and uh, it felt upsetting, and, and made me more mad at Sam for the Okafor pick again. In addition to uh, the mortality uh, fucking plug-in he wants everyone to download so they realize that they're going to die. <laughs> um, my, my, my point would be this. Uh, it is not a perfect world. In a perfect world, you wouldn't get into car accidents and wouldn't need insurance. And this is all I will say, is that, like, I think Eagles fans sometimes are living in a world in which, like, sometimes when I get a bill in the mail, I don't open it for four days because if I don't open it, it doesn't exist. Um, I think sometimes that's how people are with Carson Wentz. He's, the team has played six playoff games since he's been here. He has played in one quarter of one of the playoff games. Um, and there have been like leadership questions and all that kind of stuff. Like to have somebody ready in a couple years if this guy can't, um, can't, st- can't continue to stay healthy, like seems like 
good planning to me. It seems like longest view in the room. But you can I don't know if Jalen Hurts is any You can good. just sign somebody and not waste a second-round pick on it. Well, but you could sign somebody, but then you have to sign somebody every year. And by the way, if you sign yeah. somebody, then in, so, but, but then in two years, then you're stuck. I, most, most NFL teams are, are better when they are paying the If your quarterback is not worth quarterback money, but then you have to pay him anyway, it makes it almost impossible to win. So many teams are better when quarterbacks are on their rookie salary that if, especially with going, I, I would draft a quarterback every four years. And try to develop him, and, and just in case. And this guy hasn't been healthy one time at the end of a year. Well, they, not once. he played not once. seventeen games last year, or sixteen games last year, and then took a hit to the back and of then, the head in the playoffs. That, that's not like a oh, his body's injury prone. You can look at each one of them and say that each one of them is a different thing, but he still has played in one quarter of six playoff games. So, um, my, my only question about that is: is that going to be the? The cornblow spot after the, the podcast is edited because like that, that's, that's a great transition with the, the, the car accident stuff. <laughs> There's no cornblow spot this time. Uh, so we only have seven minutes before G gets here. I wanted to make mention that in in the alternate timeline, the Sixers are down two games to one to Miami. Uh, just you're writing it as if it. There's so many familiar things. Uh, a disconnected Ben and, and Joel during the game. Uh, for you, a great Tobias Harris, some reason, taking 28 shots. Um, <laughs> Someone's uh, got to. Uh, ben Simmons pro- makes mention sort of at the end that he could have played in the first two games, and there's like a Ben's people versus Sixers thing. And then, of course, the quote from uh, Jimmy Butler after the game. Um, there's a lot of talented players on that team, Dudes that got more natural talent than I ever had. But do they got what it really takes to win? Do they have that back-against-the-wall, do-or-die mentality? In the game's biggest moments, are they going to dig deep and do what they got to do to get the job done? I don't know, man. I don't see it. To me, in those moments, they're kind of soft. Feels like home. <laughs> do you? Is your favorite thing coming up with the storyline or actually coming up with the specifics, like the... The quotes and like the stat lines. Like, what of this? I hope you're enjoying it. Well, I, I have noticed that, like, and I, I didn't intend it this way, but I have noticed that over time, like, my description of the game action gets short, shorter and shorter, and my like <laughs> paragraph long quotes get longer and longer. Uh, probably won't be that way for the entire thing, but uh, definitely there was a lot of uh, you know bolt and board material sort of stuff that needed to get discussed at the end of last game. So, yeah, uh, the, the actual on game on court stuff was was pretty uneventful. I mean, all, all three of the games so far in the series have been not close games, so there hasn't right. been a lot of like there hasn't been like a lot of need to you know, like go into details of the play by play or anything. But uh, the quotes have been the really the, the, the stuff to really take away, and uh, certainly after the last game, that was true. Are you planning on having like a, a like a mole? With in the locker room or uh, mm. to get to get a source the, 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 yeah you could say source the to get the inside scoop on what they're and how the team is reacting to this and what they feel uh, that's interesting well i mean the, the great thing about journalism is that sources say kind of covers you on everything yeah so you, you don't really need to even like imagine a, an actual like a uh, bowl in the locker room or like plugged in assistant coach or whatever you can just kind of say sources say and then that's that sort of that sort of covers you on all ends um, I want to make sure we get it in. Uh, we, of course, we have the uh, the CEO, the uh, the chairman of the Carl Landry Record Club, the Jason Thompson of the Carl mm-hmm. Landry Record Club, who failed very notably and clearly and obviously in his first job as Carl Landry Record I, Club. I do apologize for being derelict in my duties on that one. <laughs> yeah. 
So the record we chose for this week came from Chris John. It is Charisma and Peanut Butter Wolf's Big Shots, which I had always heard about, had never listened to, and didn't know the story of, which is a pretty interesting story. It was recorded in the early 90s, and it never came out because Charisma, the rap, so uh, Peanut Butter Wolf is DJ, Charisma is the rapper, and Charisma died in 2003. Um, and the album just sat around until... I, th- I think he died actually like a decade earlier than that. I think he died in like the, the early mid-90s. That's what I said, 93. Oh, did I say 2003? I'm mm-hmm. sorry. He died in 93 and the album came out in 2003. I'm sorry, yeah. He died right as they, uh, as they recorded it. So he died in, tw- in 1993. The album finally comes out on Peanut Butter Wolf's record label, uh, Stone's Throw, in 2003. Um, it's a pretty interesting story. Um, Look, for me, the record was awesome because it's, uh, it takes me back to uh, the, like the highlight of rap in, in my life. It would have uh, sounded like this, this song would have sounded great in the middle of the Juice soundtrack, which I love. Um, Charisma reminds me of Tretch a little bit. The, the production sounds like Premiere, DJ Premiere. It, it just sounds like the time. I really enjoyed it. I don't know what I would have thought of it if it came out in the time. It probably would have blended in a little bit, but I, I liked it a lot. Um, Red Light, Green Light was my favorite song on there. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll jump in. Uh, very 90s. In fact, it sound, yep. It's just like the... The like colors of the '90s and like heat of the '90s for whatever like sweatiness like kind of yeah made me feel about it. It felt like the there's the, the kind of music that this is uh, just takes just takes you back to a place and like it like storytelling music where it's like simple mm-hmm. beat and then like telling a story of like what's happening like in the place wherever they came up with the song. Like it feels like that's it's very simple and it's very comforting to me. Um, I don't know that any of the lyrics like spoke to me in any way, but I just it's the kind of thing you could have on all day and just be like, just kind of feel good about. Yeah, I didn't love this. Uh, I, I sort of felt the same way as I felt about the uh, the Margot Price record from last week, and that it, it's it's a little bit explicitly retro for my taste. And I, I thought that thinking that it was an album that was recorded and came out in two thousand and three, but then. Even uh, even finding out that it was actually uh, recorded uh, originally in the early '90s, I think that's still sort of the case. Like you guys talk about it being very '90s, to me it's very like golden age, like mid to late '80s. I mean, there's like you know my Adidas references and Herbie Hancock rocket samples, and uh, the guy's flow to me kind of sounds like KRS-One. So like to me, it's it's already kind of in that nostalgic mode, even though it's, it's still decently early in hip hop's development. Uh, so that's not super my thing. Uh, I, I do appreciate that apparently the Peanut Butter Wolf, the guy, was the guy who founded uh, Stone's Throw Records, which is a pretty influential uh, hip-hop label, the, especially in the late 90s and early aughts. And uh, uh, one of, I would say, maybe like the 10 greatest rap albums of all time, uh, Mad Villainy uh, by Mad Villain, that, that uh, duo uh, came out on that label. So you know, kudos to them for that. But this probably isn't something that I would come back to on my own. Yeah, I... Um I don't know if I agree that it, well, it's, it's a little red. It wouldn't have sounded out of place at the time if it had come out there. But like, at, at that point, like you're already getting into yeah, yeah, like, like, like Dr. Dre, the chronic type stuff and Gangstar and, and even Naughty by Nature sounds like pretty far advanced on the hip hop timeline to me compared to this. So I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's not for me. Um, yeah, it reminded me of Gangstar actually a little mm-hmm. bit, but, um, he's the critic. Uh, it's a core. Yeah, he is the <laughs> critic. <laughs> um, 
So we have a, a lot of suggestions, but uh, the more the better. So if you and I set up a spot on the website for all the albums that we talk about. So uh, it's in the content section if you want to if you want to go and see mm-hmm. the albums that we've already discussed. Uh, can I name the one for next week, or does that have to be a Wednesday decision? I mean, you can name it. What do you think, Mike? Is that a Wednesday decision, or is it a? I mean, the more time we give people to listen, the better, I guess. If we just we talk about the record next Wednesday, um, I mean next Sunday. Sure, you can name it. Oh, yeah, the, uh, the the Gang of Youth record, that was one of the options for last week, Go Farther in Lightness. I think that's, that's a really cool album that I've heard before. And I think the person that suggested me was like was like personally adding me on Twitter, saying that it's got to be the one for next week. I think it's a good choice. You can appeal to him. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I'm not saying I'm always going to bow to that kind of pressure, but, but this time around, I think it's fair enough. Uh, and it, 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 Spike, it kind of fits your thing of like, Albums that are clearly uh, influenced by Bruce Springsteen, but are not in fact by Bruce Springsteen. So I, uh, I think uh, I, I think there's some potential for enjoyment there. Yeah, because I I think most of the bands that are influenced by Bruce Springsteen are, are better than Bruce Springsteen. And I, mm-hmm. I bring up um, what Hot Water Music, uh, Gaslight Anthem, The Killers, all better than Springsteen, and all obviously influenced. Terrible by opinion, but yeah, consistent <laughs> at the very least. <laughs> well, AU is well. You're not. Oh, is that G Love right there? Oh, oh, there he is. <laughs> Welcome. Hey. Um, well, on? you're on the podcast. Um, if if you want to get anything out before that, you want us to take out, say it now or uh, or forever hold your peace. Are you related to Howard Eskin? <laughs> Are you really asking? Is that your father? It is. All right. Wow. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, so I uh, I was the one that booked you on WIP with uh, with Craig. Oh, Craig. Uh, yeah, and when I heard Joe and John ask you about Howard Eskin, I was like, and I had already asked Craig about you coming on the podcast. I was like, uh-oh, let's see what happens here. Um, <laughs> but there are lots of Howard Eskin opinions, so I can, I'm can i good with dealing with that. I love so. Howard Eskin, and I said <laughs> so on the show. So we were actually talking earlier. So So you're on now with okay. Mike. Uh, and and uh, Andrew and me, um, so we're all here. And we were talking earlier. So one of Mike's friends uh, is also named Mike, and he had a um, he has a fr- uh, and Mike was going to get married, and he had a bachelor party that got canceled. So they decided to have a bachelor party on Zoom last night, and they wanted to surprise Mike with different Philadelphia sports people. And at the very end of it, they had uh, my father come in. And Mike was a very big process guy and just basically come in and tell him the process was bullshit and Sam Hinkie's an idiot and just basically lit him up for 20 minutes in the bachelor party. It was a very big success. Wow, that sounds pretty fun. I was saying, was it a, was it a virtual bachelor party live from Delilah's? <laughs> ah, maybe. Well, Delilah's seems like a place that probably shouldn't be open. Yeah, that's now. probably not, not yeah. the place for it. Yeah. It, it was uh, it was a nice Zoom. Yeah, it really felt like a like a he Howard was cursing, which was fun. So it just felt like a like a really we just got transported into his uh, WIP show, except you were allowed to curse, <laughs> and so and then occasionally insulting me specifically, which was fun. Uh, well, we appreciate you coming on, man. Um, uh, G is doing the uh, the Love from Philly Festival, which is next weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, which all the info is at love for Philly, love from Philly live. But G's there, uh, Kurt Vile, Eric Slick from Dr. Dog, 
um, Schoolie D, uh, Freeway, uh, Nick from Cage the Elephant, and it all benefits um, 30 Amps Circus Grants for Philly Musicians, Entertainment Pros, Venues, Charitable Organizations. You, like specifically I've seen, have done a ton of this, uh, the, like the online charity stuff while this is going on. And one of the things I think is most interesting in that is that uh, musicians' uh, like work is gone right now. You know, um, everybody makes money from shows, and shows are gone. But it's musicians like you that I see doing the most charity stuff, which I found really heartening. Do you? Why do you think that they that you and and so many others have been the first to step up when it's like you and those others who are the I think one of the first that get hurt. Well, Spike, first of all, thanks for recognizing that because um, it, it really means a lot because I'll tell you um, why do we do it? I think I think for me, I'm programmed to do it. Like I'm, we play a lot of benefits throughout the year. Um, if people ask me to do something, the answer is 99% of the time going to be yes. Um, and I'm always happy to give back to you know, my community and other people's communities and communities I never even heard of or seen before uh, with my music and the music that we have and we can share and it's a gift and it's a gift that can uplift people's spirits and um, and their moods and elevate their uh, situation spiritually. Um, and then it can also uh, raise money. Um, and, and that's what we've been doing a lot of. Um, the interesting thing about the Love from Philly Fest is that it's actually a, a festival by musicians for musicians. Um, you know, these grants uh, are small grants. They're $350 grants. But, you know, for a struggling musician that has no studio sessions or gigs, a local guy, that's going to help him pay his rent or put food on the table. So it's important. Um, but I, I will say there's... You know, and it's not hip to, for <laughs> it's not hip for musicians to complain. So you never want to complain. But I will say that sometimes I do have that sentiment, and that's why I said thank you for recognizing. Because look, a lot of people just take or think that every musician's just rich, you know, and a lot of them are. And and I've made a good living for myself. But hey, all my guys and gals that work for us are are off the road and out of work. You know, I mean, we're a small business and. By no means, you know, am I driving around in a Ferrari or a Lamborghini? You know, I'm driving around a, a 2015 Jeep, which is a nice car, man. But like, you know, I, I we're working, and so uh, I appreciate the this uh, you recognizing that. But yeah, yeah, we're happy to give back, and this is going to be a great festival, and uh, the the lineup is outstanding. So we're stoked. The Rice Ricky Sanchez podcast is brought to you by the only jeweler that I know that's doing curbside pickup. That is LL. Pavorsky Jewelers. Um, I, Mike, I don't know if you've seen... Now, uh, you know, we uh, we talked on the pod earlier about our friend Mike's wedding getting um, uh, postponed because of the uh, because of all of this. But I don't know if you've seen on the internet, people are like doing like getting married anyway and doing it on Zoom or, you know, having somebody six feet away take pictures and, and having their weddings. Like people are still... There's still love out there, Mike. There really um, is. You know? Uh, I think there's people who are going to find out that the person that they're dating or living with, that they love even more. Um, maybe some will find out <laughs> the opposite. Oh, but, yeah. This is... Yeah. 
There will be people are have make are making their decisions one way or another on yeah. after this pandemic. I always said that the the first vacation you go on together is really the test of a relationship, but I think this would would definitely take precedent over uh, over the vacation would be the five to six weeks so far of living in the same place and not being able to leave. Um, but look, if you've decided that this is the one and it's time and you need an engagement ring, LL is going to hook you up. 172 engagement rings sold to Rights to Ricky Sanchez listeners. I would imagine some quarantine babies of Rights to Ricky Sanchez couples being made during quarantine. You never know. Mm-hmm. Um, any piece. And look, man, quarantine doesn't stop your anniversary. It doesn't stop, um, you know, Mother's Day. It doesn't stop any of these things. And LL is there for you. He can ship you whatever you need. He can, um, he can, you can do the curbside pickup. He can do, uh, you know, like FaceTime meetings. You can do Zoom meetings. He can do Google Hangout meetings, whatever you want, if you want to see it, and he'll get you the jewelry. Um, 215-627. Oh, no, wait, wait, wait. He's got a different number. I got it in my email. Hold on. Uh, you can email him. That's the good way. The good way. Lee at llpavorsky.com. Um, and the number you want to call now is, hold on. I'm sure you can still, uh, 609-238-2219. That is 609-238-2219 or that email like him. Lee. What's that? that oh, yeah. Like That's in <laughs> South Jersey to me. Test it. Test it. 609-238-2219 or email lee at llpavorsky.com. Um, and uh, always supporting our charities, Coded by Kids and the Providence Animal Center. LL Pavorsky Jewelers. Would never divorce you after months in quarantine. Uh, back to the Ricky. Yeah, for sure. I'm stealing a spike question here. Being from Philadelphia and a lot of these folks in the, in the lineup are from Philadelphia has always been a part of big part of your identity. I think a lot of people. Uh, what makes it being from Philadelphia to you uh, seem like make, it makes people want to talk about it all the time? That they're like, it feels truly a part of their de- identity, whereas being from like, I don't know, Charlotte doesn't seem like a part of someone else's. <laughs> yo, I mean, guys, yo, <laughs> I, it's so true, man. Um, uh, you know, just being a traveling musician, um, people from philly are proud philadelphians and you run into them all over the world and you know i'll be playing in japan in a room full of japanese people that speak very little english and i'll hear yo gee philly in the house or like yo avalon (laughs) new jersey in the house you know and uh it's like uh it's pretty funny um and you know i'm the same way i mean just to be clear i've lived up in new england now for the past 14 years and um, the last song I wrote was called, you know, love from you know, Philly love. Um, so <laughs> I can't I can't seem to get over it. You know, um, all, all, all around my house are little, you know, Eagles knickknacks. And um, there's another guy who lives up. I live in the tent Orleans in Cape Cod. And another one of my buddies is named Philly Todd. That's what they call him. <laughs> so, yeah. What is it? I don't know. Is it something in the water? You know what I mean? <laughs> I, I think I think too being away, maybe maybe the fact that you're touring. I, I remember I didn't really care about being from here until I lit I lived in Chicago for a couple of years. And it was probably two months into it, I started uh, I started really appreciating home and really finding uh, identity and value in being here. And now that I'm back here, I, I care about it and I'm proud of, uh, proud of it more. And Mike, Mike lives in LA and laughs about it sometimes that like um, how much we care about 
whether an athlete or a musician is from here, how much they, they actually care about here or talk about here. But it's, uh, it's, it went from being funny to me to a source of, uh, a source of pride when I ended up moving away. So maybe touring is something that did it. Yeah. No, I mean, for me too, um, you know, I, I all in high school, all, and I grew up in center city downtown on, you know, second and pine and, um, right by South street. So it was really awesome, colorful neighborhood. Um, and, um, you know, in high school, I had this thing, I want to get out of the city. And I was writing all these songs. I want to leave the city. And then, and then I went to college for a year to Skidmore college, which is in a small town of Saratoga Springs, New York. Um, this very kind of insular community. And man, all I could wish for, and kind of in the country, and all I could wish for was being back in the city. And I started writing all these tunes about Philadelphia. And I started writing songs. Um, one was called Shooting Hoops, which was about our famous playgrounds like Seeger Park and Star Garden and the, the scene there in the summertime. And another one was called Writing on the Walls about like the graffiti writing scene in Philadelphia, which was huge in the eighties. And then, um, and then, you know, another one was about like the home, like kind of the, you know, uh, different social things like homelessness and, you know, social dynamics, racial dynamics, but it was, and you know, uh, but I, all I could think about was Philly and, and that was it, you know? And so I think it is like you move away from Philly and then you realize, wow, what a special place. What is it that makes Philadelphia so special? I don't know. I have a theory, though. It's like Philadelphia is like um, all the, especially in the city, it's it's all, it's a grid, right? So you have mm -hmm. everything. We used to say, like, don't walk too far down one street in one direction for too long because you're going to end up in a neighborhood where you might not feel welcome. And because especially back in the day, you know, there's, you know, there'd be a, you know, African-American neighborhood. Puerto Rican neighborhood, Irish neighborhood, Italian neighborhood, Polish neighborhood. Um, you know what I'm saying? So, um, and these neighborhoods were like little bubbles, you know what I mean? And, yeah. but they were all right on top of each other. So you have this wonderful integration happening and you see it in the music that's come out of Philadelphia with Hall and & Oates and, you know, their take on Gamble and & Huff's. Thing. And then the roots being African-American kids playing hip hop with instruments that you didn't really associate. You associate that with rock and roll. And then you see a white kid like me playing hip hop. All this is happening. This is not uh, something that's just for no reason. This is because Philadelphia is set up how it is. It gave all these communities a chance to melt together. It really is a melting pot. The... Uh when you're when you're on IP, I, I think they asked you your favorite Philly athlete of all time, and you said Iverson. Um, you know, uh, for I would say for people between maybe thirty and fifty, that is a really popular uh, answer. What is it? What was it about Iverson specifically that spoke to you? Well, not to throw him under the bus, but speaking of Delilah's, the last time I saw Iverson was at Delilah's. This is back in the you know, early, early 2000s. <laughs> and he was very, you know, he's, he's a gentleman, uh, to say the least. But anyways, um, what is it about Iverson? I don't know. He gave us, like, you know, the closest shot. Look, Philadelphia, again, 
What are the things that define our city? Rocky Balboa, the underdog. We are the underdog city. And who else personified that more than Iverson? I mean, he's kind of a tortured soul, right? He's kind of a bad boy. He's little. He's small. He's physically smaller than everybody else. Somehow, miraculously, he found a way to take us all the way to the championships despite, you know, you know, behavior issues and not being a great leader and and everything else and he put it all on his back you know his six foot one frame back and took us all the way against like the titans shaquille o'neal and rest in peace or you know our dear uh city uh family kobe bryant you know what i mean um so you know but iverson put put it put it put the whole city on his back and that's what the city loves so and you know i think He's kind of like a like if you look at Marvel superheroes, like all the Marvel superheroes have um, have issues, you know. And he's kind of um, and that brings out the humanity in them, and so we can empathize with them. So, you know, I think that's that's why, you know. Um, and and it's I, you know I wonder about Iverson now. Like, I, I hope he's got money in the bank and and you know like living a a great life like he should be, you know. It, it sort of depends on who you talk to, what, what the answer to that is. He, he definitely seems, when you see him at Sixers games, to have found, you know, like there were, uh, there's been a lot about his battles with alcohol and, and his troubles with money and all that. But, um, and I, I don't know whether those things are going on, but I can tell you that just visually and the way he talks, he seems to have found a, a piece that a lot of times, and it seems like men specifically, find in their older age when they realize their mortality and like appreciation around them. And of all the former Sixers, you know, former NBA players, I always say on the podcast, former NBA players are the most aggrieved of any player. Mm. Like they never feel like they were respected enough. Mm. They, they always feel like they're better than the current players. But Iverson does not talk that way. Mm. You know, he talks in a way that is sort of in supportive and of awe, in awe of the current players. And I always thought that was sort of... I, sort of charming about him mm. that he has come to a place where he appreciates the current players rather than thinking that he was so much better. Yeah, I mean, it's funny. I, I mean, it's funny that Dr. J or Charles Barkley didn't pop right in my head when I got asked that on, on WIP the other day um, because truly, like, growing up as a kid, look, that was so exciting. I mean, night, the early 80s, and I was, you know, just a kid, and my father... You know, his firm had some tickets, so every once in a while we get to go to a game. Now, usually we wouldn't get good tickets. We get to go, like, say, the Bucks. Like, I saw the Bucks and, like, the uh, Nets and, you know, uh, the, 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 the Wizards, like, a million times. Um, but, uh, of course, the Bucks were terrible in the 80s, not like the other. Right, right. Different Bucks. <laughs> Different Bucks. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, you know, Dr. J, I mean, I don't know why I pick him but yeah, I guess Iverson is, but then like coming of age and, you know, getting to be and living in Philadelphia during the Iverson years, man, just be glued to the local games every night. You know what I mean? And then I moved up to Boston cause you know, my, uh, my ex was from Boston when he split, she moved back and then being up in Boston and then you get no local games. So, man, I really – and then right about then, you know, the Sixers really went <laughs> downhill for many, many years. So kind of lost touch with them. And then it's been exciting, you know, the last couple of years 
with the squad they put together and you know you know man it's just this Philly thing man it's it seems so hard for our city to get it done and that's what was such so amazing about the Eagles Super Bowl a couple years ago um, and just the way it got done with the backup quarterback and the the crazy play that probably only would have happened that one time out of a hundred thousand tries you know so uh anyway crazy Philly underdogs yeah you so you have you have the I would say one of the seminal Sixers songs in in I-70, I-76 which is a song I've listened to probably hundreds of times since high school um can you talk a little bit about how that came to be and I also want to know if you uh can name all nine Sixers in that song Wait, all nine Sixers in in my song that you referenced, yeah. Without without singing it, just referencing the, all nine of them. All right. Well, okay. Well, um, let's see. Jerry, all nine of them. Okay. Well, Jerry Stackhouse. Yep. Um, Iverson. Yep. That's at the end. You might you might be the only person to reference Stackhouse in a song. Charles Barkley. Yep. Uh, Doctor J. Uh, uh, Andrew Tony sinking threes. Daryl Dawkins. Um, that's six. There's three more? Yeah. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> wow. What a great question. Uh, the middleman? I, I don't know, man. You got me. Damn, stumped. You had, uh, it was Cheeks Moses, Julius, oh. Bobby Jones, Dow Dawkins, <laughs> and okay. And you know, the, you know what the sad thing? That's Mike. Is that Mike? Yeah. Mike, that's, that, Mike. that's yeah. the sad thing is that the, most of those ones are from my verse. Because <laughs> the other guys are actually talking about the road. So, I right, rewind. The song is um, kind of an appropriation of the original 76ers, get along 76ers, um, you know, 80s theme song, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, my friend David Katowitz, who graduated from me with me from Germantown French School, um, aka the Catman. Who's like W? Is this? Who's like WIP's like biggest and biggest Eagles fan of ever, of all time? Uh, <laughs> um, he <laughs> wrapped his head around this thing, and then um, and so so I live downtown. Um, school is in Germantown, and a lot of my buddies were from Mount Airy, Germantown, Chestnut Hill. So Catman was obsessed with all the different ways you could get downtown. You know. <laughs> I-76, <laughs> the East and West River Drive, you know, he was always trying to figure out a different route, you know. And um, so he was obsessed with this highway, like one of the worst highways in America. Um, and so that was really what the song was about, like high school, hanging out with your buddies. Um, and then, the six, and then of course, the Sixers, Get Along 76ers, and then Charles Barkley dissed Larry Bird. Well, that's Charles Barkley in itself is a sticky word. <laughs> yeah. um, and then this Larry Bird, of course, I think that references the famous altercation they had on a fight on the court one time, maybe. Mm-hmm. Does that ring a bell? Yeah, there was a fight. Yeah. Right. So that, that references that, that, that um, fight. And um, so, yeah, other than that, it was just kind of it's about high school. Like, well, Robbie's verse, the last verse is about kind of high school situation and Catman's is about uh, same thing, and then the Rose, and in mine kind of reminisces more about going back to the Sixers games, you know, and growing up in that era. 
Yeah, just, I was uh, I was wondering if like Mark Ivoroni complained about not being in the song. <laughs> Ivoroni. <laughs> <laughs> I you know when I think about the spectrum, I I don't know why it's what I connect to the spectrum, but when I think about missing the spectrum, there is a specific smell to the spectrum um, that for some reason, when I think about that building, that's what I miss. And the smell was there, whether it was a sporting event, wrestling, whether it was a concert, that smell was always there. Well, wait, Spike, um, was that smell like, cause I imagine you were backstage a lot. Was that smell backstage or out in the actual arena? So the, uh, it was harder to smell it when you were in the regular, um, like the regular place where you're walking what, what am I, why can't I, I, uh, come up with the words. Um, you could smell it more in the seats or you could smell it more uh, behind, like in the uh, underneath, um, behind everything, what, where the locker rooms and where that was. What was the smell, Spike? I Well, it had to be a combination of sweat, dampness, oh. beer. Um, like it's sort of the way the electric, fa- before they cleaned it up and it became Franklin Music Car, the electric factory had a specific smell as well. Um, but the, I think a lot of the, the spectrum smell was probably dampness and cleaned up beer. Um, but uh, but it had a smell, and I do miss the smell. So um, that was when you you mentioned backstage being. So my my dad used to take us to WWF all the time at at the spectrum. We would always sit in the press box, and we were leaving once, and we would go down through the press box and around through like a back entrance. And it was at that point where I can't remember who the two wrestlers were, but it was definitely a good guy and a bad guy sitting, laughing, and talking to each other. And I said, like, it really hit me. What the fuck is going on here? And it <laughs> was it was like, see, yeah, it was like finding out that Santa wasn't real or something, oh, wow. seeing that the wrestlers were who, friends. Who, 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 who was it? You remember? No, I don't remember who it was. Now, that was the era of... You know, there was uh, Macho Man, there was Tito Santana, there was Ricky Steamboat, Sergeant Slaughter. It was that era, you know, maybe 84 to 88, something in there. Um, so, uh, well, you, you mentioned the, the team of the last couple of years um, being fun for you to watch. Would you consider yourself an Embiid guy, a Simmons guy, or a both guy? Um, I, I'm, I'm partial to both. I mean, you know, my father and I, um, you know, my father, he, he's stays so up on his stuff and, uh, he, he's just always kind of like, ben, you know, Ben Simmons, he doesn't do anything. All he does is shoot layups. Like he's a layup guy, you know? So <laughs> I, it, you know, he, he, he does a lot on the court, but again, like there's parts of his game that he really needs to step up to be a world-class player and leader. I think, I don't know him, but I get a sense that maybe he could be a good leader. Um, although I wonder, and don't take this the wrong way, but I wonder, is it harder for like, well, Embiid's a foreign guy too, but these guys aren't, this is maybe talking, but I'm just saying like, maybe, I wonder if it's harder for like a foreign guy, right? Ben Simmons is Australian, so is it harder for a foreign guy to come to America and like be the leader in the locker room? To all these guys that grew up in America or playing American sport in the USA, and then you have a, an Australian guy and a and Embiid's from Africa, right? Right. Yeah. I don't know. I wonder. But I mean, Embiid yeah. is like 
I don't know, man. I, I I'm just happy because it's exciting to see them doing well. Like you know, last playoffs, and uh, unfortunately, you know, unfortunately this year it didn't wasn't going so well. But I mean, last playoffs, God, I mean, look, we it could have gone the other way. That that Kawhi Leonard shot, I mean, for sure, everybody thought it didn't. He missed, right? It, oh, hit the rim, and that could have been. That was the Sixers. That was the Sixers going to the the um, championship. You know what I mean? That shot. So, gosh, that could have gone. That was Philly luck right there. You know what I mean? Or lack thereof. It. Um, it could have gone the other way, and then it would have been a much different year this year. Uh, so, I, long story short, I, I I like him. I'm just happy we got two, you know, stars. That being said, there's a lot of stars in the NBA the, these days and a lot of marquee players. Only one of them is going to win the championship. The Race to Ricky Sanchez podcast is brought to you by the Colony Meadery right there in Allentown. Making booze without gluten in these times of not leaving your house and self-quarantine, it's really like they're providing a public service, I sort of think, at this point. They are. Um, Colony Meadery, located in Allentown, but you can get the mead, like, anywhere. Uh, it is at Wegmans, so you can get it there. And, of course, it's, you know, the, the PA wine and spirits in, in the grocery stores are not open, but beer and wine you can get, and this fits in that. So you can get it at Wegmans. And at, you can order at their website, colonymeadery.com. Use code Ricky for, uh, for five bucks off. Or how about this? If you're in the area up there in the uh, in Lehigh or Northampton County, they have delivery, home delivery. Um, so you can order one day and get it the next day. And bang. you could do that. What's that? Just bang. Yeah, it's great. Uh, order Monday, you get it Tuesday. Order Wednesday, you get it Thursday. Or they have curbside pickup now at their store. So That's efficient. Yes, very efficient. You just want to pick it up at the curb, not have to touch anybody or go into any stores or or you can stay your, your distance from everybody, Colony Meadery is hooking it up. And if you order from the website or directly from them, there's a, a super wide selection. At Wegmans, they don't have everything, uh, but on the website and, and the home delivery, you can get the session meads, you can get the regular meads, you can get yourself a little little tea tax, get yourself a little woofy dog, get yourself a little uh, rescue mead with the dogs or cats on it, benefiting uh, Providence Animal Center and Brandywine SPCA. And people need um, it right now, you know? Yes. It is, a, it is a, you're, you're home, you're mixing up the snacks, you're trying mm-hmm. not to get bored with the things you always eat. Try mm-hmm. try a little bit of a, a little a little sweet treat, a little alcohol. Yes. Get, get a little buzz on a Tuesday evening. No gluten either. No gluten. None. No gluten. And and this is something, you know, I've I've been drinking more during this. And I said to my therapist, I said, I'm worried that I'm drinking like how many nights a week I'm drinking. And she was like, Were you getting blasted drunk? I was like, No, I'll have like one or two drinks. And she said, Look, here's what sh- everyone should do. She was like, Be easy on yourself. You should give yourself the the um, the room to Live a little differently now, just to get yourself through it. And when we're all through this, we can we can clean up our habits. That's so great advice. So as long as you're not driving anywhere, as long as you're being responsible and at home, fucking get a little bit of a drink on. It ain't gonna kill you. Um, ColonyMeadery.com. Use code Ricky for five bucks off. Must be 21 to drink. Please get buzzed responsibly. Back to the Ricky. You, Whenever you, this thing you goes talking about your dad made me think because uh, there's I feel like. The previous generations like to say that 
you know, defense first and they like toughness and they like guys that can like really defend and not, and you know, the various versions of the NBA over the last however 15, 20 years uh, being like, oh, people don't play defense anymore. Ben Simmons is an incredible defensive player. Embiid also. Uh, Simmons is more versatile than Embiid, but both those guys like really D up. And there's still, I think the thing you hear from older guys like that is like that he can't shoot or that, you know, they, Embiid should get in the post more and stuff. But like here are two guys that legitimately play defense and take and take it upon themselves to like give a shit on defense. Right, right. And and there's and I think the previous generation's full shit, I guess is what I'm saying. Well, I must be in the older generation too, because I'm like I never I don't even think about that. Obviously you didn't hear me say one thing about the defense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the truth. I'm like, come on, baby, put some points on the board. Let's go, Ben Simmons. <laughs> come on with the windmill dunk. Come on, do something. <laughs> where where were you when the Eagles won the Super Bowl? Because you live in fucking New England. Uh, so, where were you? So th- this is great. This is a great story. So anyhow, Friday night, the weekend of the Super Bowl, we played the Electric Factory in Philadelphia. Okay? No, no, no. Rewind. So Friday night, we played, weekend of the Super Bowl, we played the House of Blues in Boston, which was like an Eagles pep rally in Boston. Oh, man. Okay? <laughs> You have to bear in mind, I've been living up here for 14, 15 years now. They're bored of Super Bowls. And New England people in general are a little more tight-ass and like conservative than Philadelphian people. So they're just quiet and polite. You know what I mean? Like they wait for you to like walk across the street. They like stop traffic and like let you cr- wave you across the street on a red light. Like it's like that. Um, so anyhow, Friday night, House Blues Boston was like, the Eagles pep rally. Okay. Then we overnight the bus to Philadelphia after the show. We played the Electric Factory on Saturday night, which truly was a pep rally. I mean, it was our one of our biggest Philly shows ever. It was slammed. We started the show with the Eagles fight song and ended the show with the fight song. And the crowd was <laughs> lit. I mean, the energy was just insane. Now then, I spent the night in Philly. And then I had the day off on Sunday. Well, I got to get home to the fam because now I got a little kid. So the next day I go to the airport and I'm flying to Boston, which is full of like, I'd say half Patriots fans and half Eagles fans all on this plane, you know, well behaved going up to Boston. So I sat in my living room, you know, with my wife and our uh, two year old at the time or one year old at the time and watched the game. And man, I was freaking out. And man, that that city, well, you could have heard a pin drop in that city that night. It was <laughs> awesome, man. And I, you know, I was just, I don't know what my neighbors thought, but it was, <laughs> it, was it was amazing. I mean, you know, it, it, I mean, you know, everybody, I mean, you know, you, had, you know, I cried. It was like watching rock. There's, there's, there, I was telling my wife the other night, you want a good cry? There's two, two movies, E.T. and Rocky. Guaranteed it made me cry. And, Man, that, that Super Bowl thing, I started crying at the end of the game. I, you can't believe it. Oh, fuck. I can't believe it. We, uh, <laughs> we've we had uh, Amos Lee on the podcast a bunch of times. Oh, he's, uh, he's, he's a friend of ours. Um, and he talks about being a no-hit wonder. There's not really, like, one hit that you can think of as, like, that's Amos's, like, that's the one that crossed through and everything and, and everything else is kind of But he had a number one record. He, he, his one, one he of his did. records went number one on Billboard. 
the point of it being, he always says that it's like um, he's had this wonderful career and he has this wonderful touring thing without the big smash song or whatever. Well, oh, yeah. well he, he's, he's, he does very well. Like he, he does very well. His touring is very strong. What, what, what do you think has enabled you to have such a, a long career? Uh, you know, I think it's, it's all about connection, you know, like ultimately, you know, I've had some, I don't know. I've had some, have I had hits? I don't really know. I mean, I've, I got some songs, you know, I, I 76 cold beverage, baby's got sauce, Jack Johnson's rodeo clowns that we introduced Jack with, you know, those are some of our bigger kind of hits, but they weren't like smash, you know, hits on like, you know, WCAU hot hits FM in, in the eighties, you know, <laughs> um, but you know, like, uh, you know, so it, what is it? It's, it's a connection and, you know, it's like we get on stage every night and, um, and there's something to be said for not having a hit because if you don't have a hit, then your stuff never gets force fed down people's throat and people get sick of it. People can own it. Like people can most, our first record, um, sold a thousand copies a week for like 15 years. It finally went gold. It came out in 94. It went gold in like, you know, 2001 or something like that. 2002. Wow. And, um, so that tells you right there. And this is kind of before the internet into the internet age, this is the record that people were making cassette tapes of and passing along and mixtapes to their friends. And it was all word of mouth. And, and, and because of that, like people owned it. And I think that's a big part of, and then just, you know, them continuing to be fans. And then, um, and then of course, like when we hit the stage, you know, Jim, Jimmy jazz house man and I, like, it's a real serious thing. You know, we give 150%. It's game time. It's like, you always have to approach every show. Like it's the big game, like it's your last game. And, um, you know, we are, over the years, you realize, what's your mission? What's your job? Well, your job is to make people happy. Your job is to inspire people, to lift people up. So if you can keep sight of that and realize, like, okay, I'll dig deep, get on stage. Whatever I got in the tank is coming out. Leave it all on stage every night. And, um, and then be original. You know what I mean? Be original. So that's the other thing. Originality. So that's something that we've consistently had an original approach to what we're doing you know we don't sing great we don't play great we don't you know i used to be pretty pretty but you know i'm just kind of handsome now but uh <laughs> you know my drummer and bass player there that could be hard on the eyes sometime but you know i mean um yeah you know we we're, we're not pretty we just go out and get the job done you know what i mean and, and that's what people respect you know and that's why they come back I think that's an interesting point about not having a song that got big enough for anybody to get sick of. Because the, the, the songs you mentioned that everybody knows, everybody knows them, but nobody has heard them so much that they don't want to hear them anymore. You know, like, um, it's almost like they listen to them when they want to rather than somebody... I worked at, in rock radio for a long time, and some of my favorite albums I don't think I can't even listen to anymore um, because of the number of times I had to play the songs on the radio. Um, I think there is some benefit to, you know, uh, when, when they get to go see a G Love show, there's a bunch of songs that they don't 
here all week, you know, or, or here every time they go into a store. So I think there's some benefit to that. It's just that like the right amount of popularity. Yeah. I think, um, I think there's something to be said for that. You know, I can't, I can't it's just fun. I'm just imagining when you were saying you worked in rock radio, I imagine like Pierre Robert, who's like awesome and has been a big supporter, but just like Pierre Robert, like, and here's, you know, take it easy. Bye the Eagles coming up. Yeah. Like for the one millionth time I've played this yep. song, here's, you know, when the levy breaks. <laughs> I, I played Highway to Hell a, a lot of times, like a, a lot of times. And there, there's only a few albums that, that lasted through that that I still like listening to. Like, I still like listening to Appetite for Destruction and I still like listening to In Euro, but there's a lot of albums that are, that are dead for me now. I partied uh, with um, Axl Rose one time and I found myself in a mansion in the Hollywood or Beverly Hills Hills. Staying up all night long with Axel. When? <laughs> what year? Um, when I was chasing models around LA, and models <laughs> that I was chasing were getting invited up to hang out there too. <laughs> um, That's this cool. This was like 2009, probably 2010. Yeah. Tommy Conwell always tells the story of Axl Rose stealing his deodorant at the American Music Awards. That's his Axl Rose story. Yeah. That's Tommy's. Story. I got another Axl Rose story. This is here's here's one, and now I don't care. I'll say whatever I want. But um, <laughs> we we had this bus driver a couple of years ago. So your tour bus driver, right? He's driving your home, okay? <laughs> and we had this guy. We thought he was really cool. Well, you know, what I'm saying we. You know, we used to keep a lot of cash on the bus. Um, and not like you had a safe on there. Well, Chris Benedetto, uh, who's my uh, tour manager, sound guy, he had it like one of his old lock bags, you know. So he might have had, well, he had $9,000. We had two days off, and the bus driver. Anyhow, long story short is the bus driver stole our cash. And we know he stole the cash because he also charged like five thousand dollars on our credit card not gas like he actually charged guns and roses tickets a thousand dollars worth of guns and roses tickets and he charged all like you know a thousand dollars worth of crap at walmart and all kind of stuff well the reason is despite the fact that he bought the guns and roses tickets he um he actually was axel roses and the bus that i was on was Axl Rose the bus that was going to be driving Axl Rose on whatever tour he was doing next? So he was Axl Rose's driver. I'm like, why the fuck is this guy stealing nine grand from us? <laughs> well, we never could prove and it, you know. Like, of course, <laughs> the cop, we, you know, we put files and everything, but like, so Axl Rose's tour bus driver. If you see that guy, say, hey, where's G's money? <laughs> well, and why didn't he get free? T- like, why is he buying fucking tickets? Maybe I don't, he, that's that. Yes, and maybe he bought tickets for. Someone else. I don't know. It's crazy. Yeah, I don't know. Um, maybe we'll, we'll hunt him down. Maybe we'll he find had a him. chemical imbalance. I mean, it was, something <laughs> must have been, you know, something. Was, whatever. I mean, it's crazy. So we do this thing in almost every podcast, and we do it for all of our guests. And it it's called uh, the. This will be the last thing we ask of you. Uh, it's called uh, the jigsaw. And what the jigsaw is is it is a would you rather situation uh, in which both options are terrible. Um, so, are you ready? Awesome. Play. I will play this game. Game play. 
I will play this game. I miss you. I will play this game. I- I'm worried. Play. I will play this game. And after the game, they were interviewing him, and they said, how does it feel to win the ultimate game? And he said, if it's the ultimate game, why are they playing it again next year? All right. So, uh, both of these options are for the rest of your life. Oh, you have to deal with this for, for the rest of your life. <laughs> the first one is, once an hour, every hour while you're awake, your mouth becomes incredibly dry and pasty, like when you first wake up. Um, it will happen once an hour, every hour. It will last for about 15 minutes. There's nothing you can do about it, and you don't know when it's coming. Sounds like my night every night. <laughs> <laughs> and your other option is, any time from now into the, in, 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 for the rest of your life, any time anyone brings up the COVID-19 crisis, your response has to be, yeah, man, good times, good times. <laughs> I would take answer number two, the COVID thing, because to tell you the truth, and it's, it's you know, it, it's a tough thing, you know, you know, it, it's a tough thing to talk about because um, we're technically all supposed to be miserable right now um, because there's yep. a lot of people that are sick and uh, have died, and uh, you have to recognize that the people that are going through that, and then there's the other side of this, where is that for if over 50,000 people have died in our country, and you know, our country has dropped the balls, how, how it's been handled. But how many people live in our country? I don't know. Do you know? 350 million. 350 million. So if you look at not you know this this touchy thing to talk about, but again, it's an abstract thing for those of us that have sheltered in place with our families. And um, aside from the huge financial hit that I think most of us are taking, have taken, or will take in the time to come, uh, aside from that, it's been, for me, this is the longest I've ever been home since I started. This is the longest I've ever been home since high school. You know what I'm saying? And we happen to have a, a newborn, so. You know, for me, I don't want to say, I don't want to, you know, rough, rough lining buddy's feathers, but... Um, silver linings. Silver linings, yes. That's it, man. There's been a lot of silver linings to this. And that's the thing I was kind of saying from the very beginning of this, guys, was like, and I was telling to, you know, my people online and stuff, like, look, try... The one thing that we have now that we never had before and you never can get enough of is time. You know what I mean? And, you know, for everybody. And, yeah, the financial loss is is terrible and um, people getting laid off, you know, everyone being out of work. But, like, the, the time, like, we got time now to do things we haven't done before. So that in itself, you know, I, I got chickens, man. I'm raising chickens now. I'm like, you should see my garden. It's like. I planted like uh, celery. I, I planted so much shit in my garden that I actually planted celery le- yesterday. Like, who plants <laughs> celery? Yeah, Love I mean, it. I, <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. It seems so cheap and and easy to get without having to use part of your garden. <laughs> but I'm glad that you're you've discovered that. You know, like you, you don't even think of celery as something that you could grow in your garden. It just grows from no. a supermarket shelf in a plastic bag. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, 
Well, we appreciate you coming on. Again, the uh, the Love from Philly Festival is next weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, lovefromphilly.live is where you find out all the information on it. You'll be performing. A lot of other people performing. It's uh, a cool thing. And, and like we said at the top of, of the interview, I think it's really admirable that so many musicians who are struggling are, are taking the time to do things for other people. And in this case, for other musicians who need it, right? Yeah. So um, I think it's a cool thing, and I appreciate you you coming on and talking about yeah, it. Yeah, man. Well, that's cool. That's all we got. Um, what's the AU, the record for next week? It's Gang of Youths. What's the, uh, what's the name of the album? Uh, Go Forth in Lightness, I think. Go Forth in Lightness. And mm-hmm. uh, you, you're going to leave now, right? Yeah, I'm out. Uh, I'll, I'll say... Uh, uh, Play off road games, get off by gold. All right, there we go. Uh, and Mike's gone too. Uh, good pod. Thanks to G Love for coming on. Make sure you uh, you check out the festival next weekend. All right. Are you down with TTP? Yeah, you oh. know Lickface. Bye, Mike. Oh, see you, buddy. Really have a great have a great day. <laughs> if you don't fuck with me, then I won't fuck with you. If you don't fuck with me. Then I won't fuck with you. Will you? If you don't fuck with me, then I won't fuck with you. If you don't fuck with me, then I won't fuck with you. But if you fuck with me, I'm gonna fucking kill you! That's a friend.